You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Well, good morning. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55. And as you're turning there, want to just thank you. I'm very always humbled and um, grateful to be able to preach at my home church. If any of you get here early enough in the promotionals, you will often see pictures of the church and how it's grown through the years. And I started in 1983, just coming back to Christ in the little house. And so it has a lot of deep, deep, rich meanings to see the growth that God has done here. So it's very, very uh, honoring and exciting to be able to come to the pulpit and get. In fact, uh, being on staff twice, I pretty much know every crevice and corner of this church. Right here is literally where that house stood as a church plant. And so very, very uh, exciting. I want to preach a message today called The Great Invitation. And as the kickoff for Missions Week, Isaiah 55 is really a missional foundation. And you'll get to see that of how the gospel not only saves, but it's powerful to transform us. I want to ask the question to start out with, are you thirsty? Ponder that question. Are you spiritually thirsty? Water is a critical life-giving essential for everyone. It's a true life source. Without it, we die. In fact, it's very dangerous and we need to respect it. In fact, I made this tragic mistake of not drinking enough water, which can get you in trouble. Coming out of the Kenya bush this summer, we were three weeks working with the Pokot people, an unreached people group, and I, as an old man, did not drink enough water, which developed kidney stones. And so it was a very, very painful time. Well, here's the deal. I've got to get this off my chest to make sure I'm not alone. So I go to the doctor, and the doctor Uh, when I get back to to town, he tells me that I have not only a UTI and I don't have one kidney stone, I've got like five kidney stones. But then he goes like this. He says, you've got a complicated UTI and kidney stones. Wait a minute. Why, Why can't I have, why can't Randy have normal UTIs or kidney stones as if they're a real party I have to have, anybody in my camp, you go somewhere and it's never the normal. It's like you got the extra. Anybody, raise your hands if you feel like you always get into the the extra. I walked out of there wanting to post on my Facebook message, Doc says I've got a UTI and kidney stones. It's complicated. (laughs) I hate it. Nevertheless, we have to respect the issue of a life source such as water. Such as this, you've got to respect it. Here's a little clip from our Kenya team uh, that was working this summer. When you try to cross a river in your own wisdom. You can see there us bailing out our team and one of our cars actually got stuck in there for quite a while and we almost got swept down the river. Water is essential. I come back to this question, are you thirsty? What's that mean? Does something need to be changed in your life? Are you in a season that there's no peace in your heart these days, just dry, lifeless, barren of hope? Are you feeling distracted? I hear that all the time. So many people feel like, I'm just just distracted. I, I can't get a hold of anything. Is there a deep sense of a loss of 
purpose in your life? Is there dissatisfaction with your life? You thirst for purpose and reality and some kind of satisfaction like a cold drink of water that you know would quench your thirst. So if you're thirsty today, if so, there's a great invitation for transformation that Isaiah will talk to us about today. And if you're able, if you'll stand with me, we're going to read the text together and dive right down into this. Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to God, shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. You may be seated, but I want to pray. So, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus as a weak man that offers nothing but what your word can offer to us this morning in a world that is absolutely insane. God, everyone here knows the challenges of our worldly spirit, the system that we deal with out here. And for those of us who want to walk with you and be close to you, God, it's uh, the battle's on. But I praise you that you have made a way. I praise you that you are our shield and our trust and that you, God, show us clearly how in the midst of all of this, we can have and experience your supernatural peace and your purpose in our lives. So God, speak to our hearts in your word. In Christ's name, amen. Isaiah 55 
paints a picture of a missional foundation. The question I want to ask again this morning is this, are you tired and thirsty for something better? The backdrop of Isaiah 55, getting up to this text, the Word of God paints a picture from really from chapter 50 to chapter 55 of where Isaiah the prophet is speaking to a wayward people, his people, a wayward people that begin to turn and neglect the ways of God through distraction and buying into the world system, as well as neglecting their divine purpose. God's people. So Isaiah paints this pictures in chapter 50, chapter 51, chapter 52, chapter 53, chapter 54. He builds up to chapter 55. And in chapter 54 and 53, he paints the picture of the coming Messiah, the solution and answer for all of our problems. Christ crucified for us to pay for our sin. And then he comes to chapter 55 is the great invitation not only to his people, but to the whole world. We start out where I want us to see at least four invitations in this text. And now, the first one is this. God is shouting to us his great invitation. Look at verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. As I studied this and looking at different versions of the word and some commentaries and literally what it is saying and expressing with deep passion, God is saying this to us, Ho! Come! Get up! As if being startled in the night. It's not a casual thing. It's a very intensity. And that is for our generation right now. The invitation is not just from an 8th century, unknown, unreliable, unrelatable, old soul in a new world prophet. No, it's literally the living God for you and I this morning in our generation. Come. Come. Everyone who thirsts. No matter what creed, color, race, tribe, tongue, stratus in society, current condition, or confusion in our culture... Simply come. Ray Ortland Jr. is a great author that I love to read. I used to listen to his father on the radio. Ray Ortland Jr. writes this, Isaiah 55.1 lies so close to the heart of God, it reappears at the very end of the Bible as God's final word to us all until Christ returns. This is the message God wants every member of the human race to hear. What is he saying? Don't just sit there thinking about it, theorizing, hesitating, making excuses. Get up and come over here. And I want you to note something very important in verse 1. Everyone who thirsts, which is plural, not singular, all thirst, the whole world's thirst, they just don't know what they're thirsty for. This is the invitation that the Spirit of God is striving with us as humanity and the nations of the world to say, you are recognizing there's something, something not right. There's no peace in your life. You're no bearing fruit. There's a, a restlessness. There's no sense of divine purpose. But I see, God is saying, I see that you're thirsty. You thirst. Therefore, I'm going to take a step closer to you. I'm going to show you what the gospel can do. And not only how the gospel can save you from your sins, 
because we can't work our way out. The gospel can transform your life into something very, very beautiful that we'll see here in just a little bit. So the, 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 the key there is for the, all those who are thirsty. And if we're not careful as a church, we'll relegate his invitation to our own preconceived qualifications. But that's not what this is being said. It's for anyone and everyone who thirsts. No money, no worries. It's all been paid for. It was paid for on the cross. So I asked the question again this morning, are you thirsty? Are you tired of yourself and mere religious activities? No purpose in life, no peace or satisfaction. We feel lifeless, dry, and barren. Does your life look like and act like a thorn bush? Bring that up. A thorn bush that only causes pain to those around you who try to touch you or get close to you. Now that'll preach because I've been there before. What's your life look like? So if this is the case, God has a great invitation for satisfaction for you. That's why I want to come to our second point. God is inviting us to turn from our great distractions. Look at verse 2 and 3. In verse 2 and 3, he is saying, Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may, now watch this, you reading what I'm reading? That you may live. He's talking about real life. He's talking about the very purposes that God has always intended for you and I, that even in the midst of turmoil around us, the problems and trials that you and I face daily, there's a treasure when you come to the gospel and fully sell out and you begin to walk with Jesus in a closer, deeper walk that in the midst of all that turmoil, you've got supernatural peace. You've got something inside that carries you through these messes. That's what the Bible's saying. That's what the Word of God is teaching us. The question is posed, why? Why do you spend money on what does not satisfy? Why do you spend your wages and go here and there and there and here to try to find something to satisfy that restlessness in us when all the time God is saying, listen close to me, lean up, get close to me. The main point is this. God is talking about satisfaction, substance, the real stuff in our lives, fulfillment that the world is yet in longing to taste. That's the point. Ray Wortland Jr. goes on to write, our world is a vast marketplace of unsatisfying but costly remedies for our God-shaped longings. But we're not very sharp, smart shoppers. So what are those distractions? Where's the payoff? We keep sacrificing for here in this worldly system. The great distraction is from what is not bread. That's the point. What is not bread? And what is not satisfying us? Let me tell you, I was going to touch that. What are those distractions in our lives? And I really wrestled with that and even talked to a few people close to me. And then I really clearly heard this. where basically as I was praying, saying, God, should I point out some distractions? I really felt like he said this to me. He said, well, you go ahead, or I can, 
which one would you like to do? And I said, I'll let you do it, God. And so otherwise I would be bordering on legalism or, or self-righteousness. And let me tell you, I've got enough distractions in my own life that I've got to deal with. Anybody got distractions in your life? Raise your hand. Look around, look around. See, it's a battleground. These distractions are real. So I'll let the Holy Spirit do what he does best, way better than me. God says this in light of the distractions. In the book of James 4, 8, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And I would add on to that those of us who are distracted or a divided mind or a divided heart, like Psalms 86 would say. Because here is what satisfies, and you've heard it preached and taught and preached and taught, unless you just come in out of the jungle and where some of the places we work where they've never heard the name of Jesus. You've heard that Jesus is the bread of life, and that's what he's getting at. He's saying, I'm going to give you a Savior. I'm going to give you myself, the living God, and I'm going to tell you, I will satisfy every restlessness, every hopelessness, everything that you're dealing with. If you will chase after me and sell out to me and make me the sinner, watch me work in the midst of your life, turning and transforming your life into something very, very beautiful. You know, <laughs> I, if you look closely at this, this this distraction thing he's talking about, I'm going to tell you, I, I've got, I, I feel so distracted in my own life so many times. I feel like a two-year-old sometimes. I got a grand, grandkids and so they get really distracted quick. I feel like sometimes I am so distracted by things, it's like I'm texting and trying to talk to God, okay? In other words, God's talking and we're texting, Okay, and if you're like a boomer like me, we don't do so good with that. Okay, the girls can; they can they can type like this. Guys, most of the guys I'm around us at our age, we got to have big font, held it back right, and then we text like this. Boom, boom, boom. We could never look anybody in the face. We just can't do it and talk. Now you turn to your Gen Gen Xers; are getting good at it, but millennials, millennials can they can they can do this and look at you. I don't know if they're hearing a word we're saying, but they can they can do that. The generations below us, who knows what they can do these days, behind the back, under the bridge, you know, you know how they're going to text. The point is, is that we're so distracted, and sometimes, and I think a lot of times, right now, right now this morning, God, God is wanting to lean in and speak deep to us to fix some things in our life, but we're distracted, we're texting. I'm not talking about you physically, I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about. God is saying to me, look me in the eyes. I have something rich for you, rich for your soul. How do we taste his delights? By listening diligently to his word. Patient, open-minded, careful pouring over his truth in the gospel. Thinking it through again and again. This is the essential ingredient to the life that is truly life. Jesus said, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Why does the gospel work with life-giving power? Because eager listening to God's word is the same as coming to him. Incline your ear and come to me. Many of us, pre-COVID, and I don't care about COVID, I mean, it's just all of that was a hot mess. Many of us, in this transition coming out of COVID, 
once were so passionate for Christ, so passionate for his cause and missions. And for whatever reason, we, we bought in and just got settled in and, and we, we went back into a lifestyles that we just aren't that hot and passionate anymore for Christ or his cause. And I'm praying and many are praying that this message today will be a fresh call to the church to call you back. So many of you are gifted and skilled by God and now more than ever is the time to rise up and take the gospel I know this is Missions Week. We've got missionaries here. I work all over the world. We're in about 31 countries now. Uh, many, many unreached people groups. And God is constantly reminding me when I begin to think that there's no way to get the gospel into a place. He reminds me there are no barriers for the gospel because the Spirit of God is work. We know it's tough out there. We experience our own things going in our life. But God is saying to us in this, he's saying, lean in. Take another step of faith. Trust me a little bit farther. I want to do some transformation, not only in your own life, but in the ministry and the things that you're involved in. I want us to see the issue that we were once distracted we may be distracted now. We may be spiritually dull and unhealthy. Some of us know it. I've been there. Third point I want us to see is this. God is inviting us to seek his great mercy. Look at verses 6 and 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will, you see what I'm reading there, church? Not just pardon, I will abundantly pardon. Mercy for me? Mercy for them out there? You don't know me. You don't know how messed up people are. No, I don't. I know how messed up I am, but I'll tell you this, God knows and that's the beauty of the power of the gospel. What we don't recognize is the reason we are so thirsty is because of verse 7. Strategically laid in between two verses of 8 and 9. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. I'm not wicked. I know a lot of wicked people out there, but I'm not wicked. Let me tell you something, how the Bible describes this and paints this picture. If you are in agreement with Jesus and the word of God that we were born into sin and that we need salvation and we've come to Christ, if you're in agreement with that and you start walking towards Jesus, letting him grow you, you hunger for him, you keep short accounts of sin, you're walking with Jesus every day. You fail, you stumble, but you get up and you keep coming to Jesus because you know that's his own, your only hope. He knows that's your answer. Then you're on the right track. But if you once knew him and was walking with him, and now you've bought the lie, you're drinking the Kool-Aid out there, the worldly spirit, and you're saying, well, I would never deny God, but I'm going to walk my own way. Well, then the Bible calls that wickedness. We're forsaking God. But the beauty of this is this. <laughs> he will have abundant, abundantly pardon us if we return to him if we seek him. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's the reason why we're so thirsty. The hardest part is this. 
It's hard for us to accept the truth that God would really abundantly pardon us. That's why he gave us verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts more than your thoughts. In other words, he puts us in place. Here I am, puny man, with my own mindset. And God's way up here and magnified. And he's saying, I sent Jesus my son, and there's no sin on the face of the living earth that I'm willing to forgive. But you gotta, you got to turn, come to me, and let me cleanse you of this sin. That's why he gave us that. See, the gospel, without understanding that... We can't understand the gospel until we understand a God that is so large and so merciful and so giving, wanting to redeem humanity and draw us to us. None of that makes sense because we don't think on the same way he does. He is mighty. So the masses are duped. They're duped by Satan, running hard, chasing his lies. They are sheep without a shepherd and in need of someone offering them a drink of his grace and mercy. If there's anything I have learned and am still learning after over 25 years now of running hard out on the frontiers, of lostness into the remote places in the world, into the urban canyons of lost people from Muslims to Buddhists to Hindus, all of that, if there's anything I've learned is that the spirit of the living God is already there working and working among men. And it's my job to pray and to sow the seed because it's a powerful, powerful thing to sow the seed of the gospel because God's promise is that if we turn, he ain't just going to pardon you, it's abundant. What's that mean? He emphasizes it abundantly because it means that he's going to begin the work of cleaning that crud out of us, all that sin residue that for years have, has choked the life out of us. Every time you see something, smell something, or remind something, it puts that chain and that grip back in you and makes you miserable. The gospel begins to transform if we'll come to him and start putting his word back down deep in our heart and we stay close to him. He begins to do a beautiful transformation that's why I want to come to this. If we don't come to him, then we dehydrate spiritually, emotionally, maybe even physically. So God is inviting you today to come and receive his great mercy. Here's the closing one, number four. God is inviting us to turn to his living word for a great transformation. I've missed this for years. I've studied my Bible for years, and I really didn't, really didn't grab hold of this until I started this message. Verse 10 through 13 is really telling us something important. It's talking about the prominence of his word. How important is the word of God? Gospel preachers, people on the podcast, people who are really sold out to what the pure gospel is are always pushing God's people back to his word. First of all, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the bread of life. What he speaks is life-giving. It is life and spirit. That's why we push you back. Know, immerse, saturate yourself to know the character so that the word of God can guide you, can discipline you, can control it, 
help you through those emotions and those feelings and all of that junk that we do. That's why we do it. In verses 10 through 13, he is pounding the pulpit saying the promise of the word. He relates it to rain and snow, which means they are life-giving elements, a true life source that brings about growth and transformation. What's the point? I used to read that and think, why in the world would I care about trees clapping, clapping her hands and some kind of stupid thorn bush and a cypress made no sense to me until you study. How so? Look at verse 13. Verse 13, he's saying, my word or true life overcomes death, barrenness, fruitfulness. It transforms us into something that flourishes us if we will drink it. True life, or his word, fulfills the purpose of God. His purpose will succeed in the manner for which it's sent. What's that matter? Transformation of lives. This is the gospel. This, the gospel primarily is what saves us from our sin, but secondary, it transforms our lives into the very purpose that you and I are breathing you're here breathing because of God's design. Read Psalms 139. Read a ton of places. You are here no matter what your misery is, no matter what failure you feel like, no matter where you may think, I don't have a purpose in life. The invitation is coming to say, let the gospel transform you, and it will. But you got to drink. you got to come to him. How does it transform? Well, the word of God is also seed, and when the rain and seed get together in the human heart, there will be growth, transformation, and fruit, but it's got to be sown into their lives. Look closely what this transformation looks like. Verse 13, he's saying again, instead, instead of the thorn tree, here's the transformation. We'll bring up the thorn tree again. Let's look at this. The thorn tree is known as lifeless, barren, fruitless, and only causing pain to those who touch it. And God is saying, let me transform your life into a cypress tree. Look at this cypress tree, big, healthy. A cypress is known for soaking up floodwaters, preventing erosion, resistant to rot and insects and decay. That tells me that it's someone who's strong on the inside, no matter what the outside's doing. It's not being corrupted by the world. Or is our life like this, a nettle, which is, I call it, stingweed. When the boys were little, I'd take them fishing down by the creek, and I'd always tell the boys, boys, stay away from that stingweed. It'll get you. And the stingweed had these little hairs on it, and it would get into you, and it would cause problems uh, on your skin when you wear short pants in there. In fact, a stingweed or a nettle is known for causing rash, hives, itchy, red and swollen when touched. I recommend you take, talk to your doctor before you touch any of that. Or he's saying, and this is my favorite, do you life want to look like a nettle or do you want to look like a myrtle tree? Look at the beauty of that myrtle tree. A myrtle tree is known for its beauty, devotion, love, and in fact, I was amazed at this. I went to study this. In Hebrew, the language of Hebrew, the word is for a little girl, and the word means Hadassah. And if you know your Bible, we're talking about little Esther, the little orphan. The little orphan who turned to God and began to walk with God, and God transformed her life into being beautiful inside and outside. 
She became an instrument in God's hand in a powerful time of history. She was faithful. She was loyal. But it was because she was running with God. She had a divine purpose. What's your life look like? Do people have to walk on eggshells around us? Do people get rash and irritated and we're just hard to deal with? Are you ready? Are you thirsty for a transformation to happen? And God is saying, ho, get up. You come to me. Come back to my word. Come back to where you strategically put me in the center of everything that I'm doing. You say, this, that's crazy. Take your pick. For me, I have to have it. He's my life source every day. Every day. What if you miss a day? We're not legalistic. God knows. We're not talking about some, some regiment that you check off and read your Bible. We're not talking about that. We're talking about where does your heart run to? Where have you found what quenches your heart, what satisfies you? Satisfaction and substance. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.